Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm back with Megan Doherty to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are doing Loki Season 2. It is a rollicking, great show, lots of action, some fabulous sci-fi. Of course, Loki the Trickster and Tom Hiddleston, the actor who plays him in all his glory. Owen Wilson also co-stars, and the repartee between the two of them is first rate. I know you'll enjoy Megan and my exploration of Loki Season 2. Take up the show from several angles. From the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy our exploration of Loki Season 2. In this penultimate episode of Loki Season 2, Tom and Megan take up Episode 5, Science Fiction. I know you will not be disappointed. In this episode, we find Loki, who has survived the explosion while everyone else has vanished at the TVA headquarters as it spaghettifies. Loki escapes as he begins time slipping again, taking him to branched timelines where his friends Mobius, Hunter B-5, Casey, and Ouroboros were reset to their original lives as Don, Dr. Verity Willis, Frank Morris, and Dr. A.D. Doug respectively. Wanting to time slip before the explosion, Loki enlists Doug's help. With Loki unable to control his time slipping, Doug proposes Loki gather everyone present at the explosion back together so that their collective temporal aura can send them back to the right time and right place. Doug builds a tempad using a TVA handbook that Loki kept. Loki succeeds in gathering everyone else to Doug's workshop except Sylvie, who has retained her memories. Refusing to help, Sylvie makes Loki admit his true motivation. He wants his friends back and fears being alone. When everything in Sylvie's timeline spaghettifies, she goes to help Loki. However, Doug's workshop also spaghettifies, as do Frank, Doug, Don, Willis, and Sylvie. Loki finally controls his time slippy by focusing on a person. Declaring that he can rewrite the story, Loki time slips to just before the explosion by focusing on Ouroboros. Megan Doherty, we are running towards the penultimate episode here of Loki, episode five, and we're starting to get Two things that really intrigue me. One is great science fiction, but two is some interesting character developments. And I don't know if you saw something different in episode five, but what were your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts was just utter and complete delight to get to see everyone's origin story. They made some great choices with those. I I thought it was so much fun how we got to see where everyone was. I'm guessing you like that bit too. Did you have a favorite character's origin story? Yes and no. Yes, but then when I went back and reviewed them all and actually wrote them down so I could go through them for our podcast, I loved them all. <laughs> so you have to start with Mobius. He's mm-hmm. Don in Cleveland. 
selling I called skis. Midwest. I totally called it earlier in the season. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it, it even gets better in episode six, but we'll talk about mm. that in episode six. Uh, Ouroboros, Pasadena, California, 1994, a brilliant scientist, but failed sci-fi writer. Pretty clearly, you can see how and where he's going as the brilliant scientist. What I did not fully appreciate was, until this because of the failed writer aspect was when he co-authored the handbook mm-hmm. um, with Timely. I thought that was a pretty cool. Well, um, I, loved, uh, I loved his name, his original name, yeah. A.D. A- Doug, Douglas Adams. Right. What a great call out. Perhaps the most intriguing to me was Casey, who was Frank Morris. Frank Morris. Now that <laughs> Frank Morris is in spite of Megan's visual reaction there, is not a name that's at the top of mind of most people, but he is one of three people who are alleged to have escaped from Alcatraz. And he did leave the facility. It's not clear if he survived going across San Francisco Bay into San Francisco so that he survived his escape, but he did escape Alcatraz and he's one of three. I thought that was incredibly cool. Of course, and Um, now we know what happened to him. He didn't drown. He didn't get away. He was picked up to help form the TVA. Plainly. Plainly. And even more to the point, I think it was in 2023, a person came forward saying he was Frank Morris. And now it makes sense. Now we understand why. (laughs) (laughs) He was a variant on a timeline. Makes perfect sense. B-15. He was Dr. Willis in New York City in 2012. Sweet. Sweet. So it was, all of those were very cool. It took me a couple of viewings to understand the time slipping nature of what was going on. When the first time I saw it, I thought it was just time slipping to time slip. That's not it at all. Or I don't think it's it at all. I think it was his attempts to learn to control time slipping Mm -hmm. so that he could go where he wanted. And so once I came to that realization, it began to make more sense. And I began to see where this might be going towards episode six. What were your thoughts around that part of it? I think it was the whole process of learning that his ability to control the flow of time and his own time slipping, it was all about the people. And this, I think it came through a lot in this episode and it it kept getting stronger and stronger through the next one, which I know we'll talk about more soon, but just that Loki is building a family. It's all he's ever wanted. He's got these people he cares about that he's working with. He's got his own Avengers, finally. And that's what's giving him the power to do this impossible thing. I thought it was, I thought it was delightful. Uh, I thought it was really nice to see him connecting with others in that way. Once again, I think it really ties together in episode six. But frankly, I had never considered Loki as wanting a family. And that's a huge bit of growth for him. As big a growth, frankly, as any other MCU character, whether major or minor. And um. He really does want to be around those he loves. And that becomes very clear in this episode. That part was fascinating for me as well. Oh, yeah. And just, and I think, especially in his communication, like in his conversation with Sophie or Sylvia about it, she was the only one who remembered him because she had the ultimate time pad. And I think she had chosen her place in the branch timelines. And just the experiences they had growing up were so different, but had so many similarities in terms of their ultimate loneliness and their regular failures. Just, yeah, I like that she ended up palling in with them, even though they, they fundamentally disagreed on some of the ethics behind 
what they were, should the TVA exist? How should these timelines be managed? You don't always have to like your family to love them. So one of the key themes I thought in this episode, I hit on it a little bit, what, but it's basically the question, what makes Loki tick? And we saw him evolve in the Thor movies about his competition with his brother Thor in Asgard, and they're both joint trying to get their father's affection so that they could become king of Asgard when he passed. But also I thought back to season one where we saw a lot of, I think now we know are variant Lokis, but just how selfish he was and how self-centered he could be, not that he would tell someone he loved them and, and kick them out of bed the next day, but to say that he maybe used and abused people for his own selfish gain or pleasure, uh, I think was really one of the themes I saw from season one. Emotional growth, spiritual growth, maybe it was him recognizing it's not them, it's me. And I, I just want to be around the people I love or at least my friends. So that I thought was pretty significant. Oh, I think it was too. And I think it... It becomes more clear in the finale. His always his striving for glorious purpose. And he's never understood until now when I think he's starting to learn it, that purpose can't be only about yourself. Purpose almost always has some element of being for others or for the greater good. And he's, I think he's starting to get it for the first time ever, which was kind of heart-wrenching to see all of that time he's wasted. That's not fair. Boys can grow up too. And to some of us, it takes a little bit longer than others of you all, because he did start off as the god of mischief. And in Norse mythology, he was the god of mischief. And he certainly was that in the first, at least the first two Thor movies, maybe the first Avengers movie as well. Some really interesting development in his relationship with Sylvie at the end of season one. I thought it was close to becoming lovers. I don't think they're lovers. I think they're. And it's not brother and sister. It's something closer, Mm -hmm. but it's not physically consummated. Did you have any thoughts on that one way or the other? Um, I thought it was definitely more sibling-ish than anything else. And I I don't know, I've definitely got people in my life for whom the structure of the relationship took many years to emerge in its final form. And I've always landed on cousin for that. (laughs) But I I agree. I think it's it's maybe twins, if not just Mm -hmm. normal brother and sister, maybe twins. because. He they needed he needed to be able to talk to her having that foil, uh, another version of himself to really be able to understand his own motivations because I think he saw himself so much in Sylvie, and that was the impetus for the growth because uh, he probably never knew how aggravating he could be <laughs> if nothing. Your boy, of course, <laughs> it's all about me. What do you mean aggravating to others? What others? Uh, it's not his fault necessarily. Too much power is bad for everyone, and I assume especially gods. You know, it's interesting around Sylvie because the first couple of times I watched episode five, I thought he was helping her heal because I thought it was him leading to a point where she didn't kill he who remains or didn't slay him. And once again, we'll see a little bit more of that in episode six. And then the the last couple of viewings of episode five, I really saw the growth in Loki that I hadn't seen previously. So that was an interesting kind of twist because I really thought he was the one who was almost counseling her. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got to let go of this anger and you've got to move on to whatever that is. And he, he was so desperately hopeful that that would be the thing that saved everyone. 
He's, if I can just get through to, so, to Sylvie, this is going to, it's, it's going to be the, the inciting incident that doesn't happen that's going to make everything okay. And right. he, he just wanted that so badly. Because he loves her. <laughs> that he does. And, and I'm very comfortable in saying that. Like I said, I wasn't quite sure what plane of love. I think in the Greek language, I learned there are, four, I think it's 17 different mm-hmm. words for love. And so it's much more precise than English We're around that word. And I'm not sure which love it landed on, but it's certainly something very between the, the Yeah, something in between philia and family. <laughs> something right. between friendship and family. <laughs> So any final thoughts on episode five, other than I'm going to say I could, I've seen it now, but I couldn't wait for episode six based on episode five. The, the, the last one is I thought just, it was one of the, the final scenes when all of the, let's call them Loki's Avengers, are all in the room and they're getting spaghettified one by one by the time radiation. And they all have this kind of final line, this kind of final moment. And it just brought me right back to the end of Infinity War when people were getting dusted. And I thought just as, as an emotional chord to strike again, it was A+. plus. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I guess I felt the same when I saw that. So on that note, we will end episode five. And hopefully you will join us for episode six. I'm Tom Fox. I'm Megan Doherty. See you then. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Because That's What Heroes Do. I hope you'll join Megan and I as we explore all six episodes of Loki Season 2. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning because that's what heroes do. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll join us next time where Megan and I take up the final episode of Loki, episode six, and conclude this series. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review or have a great podcast or listen to because that's what heroes do as a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.